Welcome to Working Girl Talk, the podcast for the working woman, where each week we cover the latest headlines the businesswoman needs to know about, and we chat to boss women making an impact in their industry. I'm your host, Abby Zufeld. Welcome to episode 67 of Working Girl Talk. Hope you've been having a great week. So much has happened this week. It's been a crazy week. I have this theory that the week before a holiday weekend is always super busy. And I was not wrong this week. (laughs) Always busy, but I hope you take time to enjoy the holiday weekend. And it is the perfect time to catch up on some episodes that you may have missed. And like I said, it was a busy week. So let's dive into some headlines. Before we get into the headlines, though, a quick reminder that if you have not reviewed the podcast please do so. The reviews just help podcasts get seen more and more. It helps that algorithm. So leave a five-star review. Tell us what you think of the show. I always love hearing what you have to say. And I've been loving the social media shares I've seen recently too. So cool. So let's dive into some headlines, shall we? So Search Engine Journal, along with a ton of other outlets, dropped this cool news from Google this week. So Google is launching new certificates that offer a way for people to fast track their career toward digital jobs that are in high demand. So Google's career certificates are available to all U.S. citizens, regardless of previous job experience or education level. It costs $49 per month to access Google certificate programs on Coursera, which is where they are housed, and grants and scholarships will also be available for those who need them. So the monthly fee also provides access to resources that can help assist with job search and interview preparation. And Google search certificates can be earned through completing six-month courses. And to start, they are offering the following. Data analyst, project manager, UX designer. So why is this a big deal? Well, for a lot of reasons, but one specifically is all tied into this. So Kent Walker, Google's SVP of Global Affairs, says the certificates will hold the same weight as a four-year degree in a related field. Quote, in our hiring, in our own hiring, we will now treat these new career certificates as the equivalent of a four-year degree for related roles. That is so like, what? (laughs) So this is Google just giving another option. Maybe if a more traditional college for your degree isn't your path, so this is definitely another option. And if Google is treating these as for your degrees, like the equivalent, maybe other companies will. So to me, that says these are probably going to be jam-packed with a lot of info. And for it to only be six months, but to be six months and to be compared to a degree, though, I'm assuming these are going to be pretty rigorous, but $49 a month, not too bad. So very, very interesting. I think it's a really cool idea. The one that specifically jumps out to me is the UX designer. I always love that topic. It really relates to SEO because you want to have a good user experience on a website. But a lot of the time, if you are trained in SEO, you might not be as trained in UX because that is kind of like a design and you need to have those like development skills, so developer skills. So kind of cool they're offering that one. Next story. So another one from Search Engine Journal and but it was just too good not to share. So have you ever seen those quote posts on Instagram? Like, you know, we all know the carousels where you can slide through a picture, but have you ever seen like the quotes where it's like a quote on the first one, you slide, it's a continuation of that, almost a story. I feel like it's been getting popular to kind of be creative with your carousel posts on Instagram these days. And there is good reason. So according to a recent study, posts on Instagram are likely to be more successful if they contain a carousel versus a single photo or video. Social Insider examined over 22 million Instagram posts, of which nearly 3 million were carousels. So out of the nearly 3 million carousel study, it was found those with 10 slides generate the highest engagement rate. Engagement drops after three slides, though interestingly enough, it picks up again after eight slides and above. There is a lot more to this. And the show notes like where you down like where you listen to this podcast in the show notes I always link where I'm getting the news from so if you are interested in this definitely click the link to this because there is a lot in this study but basically if you want more engagement do some carousel posts which makes sense because you do have to slide through you're getting more time on your post a higher likelihood that someone's going to comment and engage with it so kind of nice that there's proof to the pudding now 
next and last story. How am I going to start this? I was like, there are so many ways I could start this. I could say we have some really fetch news happening. I could say Gretchen Wiener's dad would be proud. (laughs) I think you know where this is going. If you follow me on Instagram, you definitely do. So this week, Toaster Strudel, they announced the, the launch of a limited edition Mean Girls Toaster Strudel in partnership with Lacey Chabert, who, as we all know, played Gretchen Wieners, the daughter of the inventor of Toaster Strudel in Mean Girls. <laughs> so honestly, it's the perfect marketing collaboration. I'm like, why did they, this never happen before? But it's kind of perfect timing because we are in this like era of digital. And maybe if it was done when Mean Girls actually came out, it wouldn't have had the impact. Who knows? But loving this for them. It's the collab that we always wanted, we always needed. So the pastry treat pays homage to Mean Girls with pink icing packets and will come in both strawberry flavor and cream cheese and strawberry flavor. And it's so crazy. This is the power of marketing. As soon as I saw it, I was like, I need to get some toaster strudel. Like that is so cute. And I just, I love that movie. And it's just funny because it's like, I have not thought about eating toaster strudel since I was like 10. So the power of marketing, everybody. But they also are launching a the most fetch toaster strudel icing sweepstakes where three grand prize winners will get a personalized video message from Chabert, one year's worth of toaster strudel and Mean Girls merchandise. So go enter the contest. Don't know the requirements, but sounds great. You get a year supply of toaster strudel. <laughs> Also, last thing on this, I got way too invested in this one. It was very funny on Lacey Chabert's Instagram post announcing it. I was reading through the comments because in the caption, she said, my father, the inventor of toaster strudel would be proud or something like that. She mentioned the father line that is obviously for Mean Girls. Somebody commented, your dad invented toaster strudel. That's so cool. Like, wow. And like, you could tell it was serious. And she commented back like, oh, it's the character from Mean Girls, like her dad did, like Gretchen Wiener's dad did. <laughs> oh, that just made me laugh because I just thought everyone would know by now. But you know, you never know. But I guess, I guess if you didn't know, go watch Mean Girls. It's a great time. So very iconic. Love it. Great news for this Friday. And that is our, those are our headlines for this week. Thought I'd keep it light and fun. And now let's get into today's guest. I am so excited. We have Megan Accardo with us. Megan began her career as a family therapist where she closely and clinically studied relationship dynamics and developed workshops and groups to help people move toward growth and healing. Then she transitioned to the corporate world where she spent 15 plus years producing events for high profile and celebrity clients at powerhouse companies such as Creative Artists Agency and UCLA Anderson School of Management. Now she has embarked on her own entrepreneurial journey as a leadership coach. Now her mission is to guide you to find greater connection and impact in whatever company position or title you have. She also hosts her own podcast, Power Your Purpose. So helpful. She has a great podcast voice. It is just a really, it's a just such a nice breath of fresh air podcast. If you've been feeling that push or pull during this time, it's been COVID, everything's been happening. There's just been a lot of uncertainty. This episode is for you. In this episode, we talk about Megan's career journey. We talk about COVID and how to navigate risk and change during uncertain times. We also talk about clarifying your career roadmap and how to artfully pivot when necessary and a top and also a topic that I'm super excited about. We'd also talk about communication at work, like how to be assertive without being mean and how to virtually communicate correctly because we all are dealing with that right now. It is so helpful. I loved speaking with her and I'm so excited for you to hear it. Welcome Megan to the show. So we are so excited to welcome Megan to Working Girl Talk. Welcome to the show, Megan. Thanks, Abby. I'm so excited to be here. So excited to have you. First up, so just to start us off right, can you give us a brief intro, who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I've had a bunch of different careers. I've made some pivots. So I will kind of give you the brief overview. So just to give context to your listeners. And that is basically that I came out of school. I came out of school and then I went to grad school and I was started my career as a family therapist. So that was my first career right out of the gate. I loved school and I set up my own private practice and I was doing counseling 
And very quickly, once I actually started doing the thing that I had gone to school for like so many years for, I realized that maybe I didn't want to do that. And I was really young at the time and I just kind of just wanted to leave it all behind and try something completely new. So really early on in my career, I was like, let's just try something different. And I know that a lot of people feel like that. So I want to mention that that that's totally fine if you go to school and you spend all this time on a certain path and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, what did I just do? What what do I want my life to look like? I think now is an amazing time for everyone to be reevaluating that and saying, am I really on the path that I want to be on? And so very early on, I kind of trusted my gut and I moved from San Diego where I grew up to Los Angeles and I wanted to work in entertainment. And so I started this second career that lasted for about 15 years. So that one was more longstanding in entertainment and specifically events. And so I kind of just worked my way up that sort of corporate events ladder and then ended up running events for one of the biggest talent agencies in the world. So I was working with big, huge celebrities and running these fancy parties. And I really loved my job and I, I worked really hard for it. So I was really grateful for it. I kind of was on top of the world for a little bit. And then I kind of felt that feeling in my gut again of just, there might be something else for me. And I really wanted to pull that therapy background and therapy degree off the shelf because I feel like I just really like put it on a shelf or like hit it under a rock. And so I just wanted to like do something with it. I knew I didn't want to go get uh, to become a licensed therapist. Like I didn't want to go that route, but I wanted to combine this 15 year corporate career with something that really motivated women and empowered women. And so about a year or so ago, which is very exciting, I launched my own company. So I kind of left corporate in this flash. I mean, I prepared for it, but it was just this whole whirlwind of taking a leap and trying to figure it out. But but I left corporate, I started my own company, and now I really, I coach women, I have my own podcast, and really just, I create online programs and resources and really want to empower women in their careers to step into their true purpose. And my whole thing, which I think aligns so closely with you, Abby, is just, I think that we can have a purposeful career and not have to sacrifice financial stability for that. And I think there's such a shift into finding meaning and finding purpose in our career. And nobody wants to just go work at a job they hate just for the paycheck. Like that is just not something I think people want to do anymore. That's a sacrifice that people aren't willing to make. So I really want to help people figure out what that it factor is or figure out what that next step is. Love that. That is, I'm glad we're recording because that, that was perfect. <laughs> I'm sure everyone's like, whoa, like that is awesome. And I like that your career has taken so many like, oh, like let's pivot to this. Let's try this out. Because I think one, like you said, we're getting away from that mindset of, oh, I have to stay at the same career, my whole career, my same job. Because like the reality is you maybe your first job out of college won't be that dream job. And you're just kind of getting experience. And so I like that you mentioned that and that it's okay to do that. So right off the bat, for somebody who I guess is afraid to make those kind of jumps, even though they have that feeling that they should, any advice for them, how to shift their mindset and to give them the courage to do so? So many people live in that area of following what they should do. It's hard. It's you're, you grow up with it. It's, you know, your parents are telling you what you should do from the time that you're born until you're 18, basically. Right. So that's, you're following their advice. And so there is a switch then as you become an adult, an adult, that's like, oh, I can actually make my own decisions, but it's just so hard to do that because we're, it's so ingrained in us that other influencers are telling us what to do. So it's, it is really hard, but I think it's, it's really listening to that inner voice and getting quiet and listening to those whispers. And I think 
honestly, just taking the time to ask yourself certain questions. <laughs> Do I really enjoy what I'm doing? Is, am I doing it for any other reason than I really want to be doing it? I think a lot of people that I see, at least clients, they have this passion or this idea, but they think it's a little crazy because maybe it's never been done before. It's something off the wall. And they're like, oh, but I can't make any money at it. And I always challenge people to think about ways that you could potentially make money doing that weird, crazy thing. I mean, I've seen so many things in the online world. I've seen people making six figures, teaching other people how to make quilts. Like I have seen people who like literally take care of houseplants for a living and they've become this like influencer online. So it's like, you could do anything. Like I would challenge that. So it's really seeing what's possible, and then just really asking yourself the right questions of going down that line of like, what, what is really possible with this thing that I want to do? And if there's something that you've been thinking about for a long, long time, and it won't go away, and it's always kind of in the back of your mind, and you're always having to dismiss that as like, oh no, that's a crazy idea, then maybe that's, that's a sign that that is something that you should pay attention to. If it won't go away, that's put there uniquely for you. Yes, I love it. it. Yes. So kind of switching gears, but related. COVID and this pandemic have really kind of shaken up a lot of things, our daily schedule. A lot of us are working remote. Um, There's been layoffs or furloughs or even just responsibilities at work have changed for some people too. Any advice or insight into navigating risk and change during uncertain times like now? Yeah, it's a a very relevant question for sure because none of us know what the heck's going on in the world. But the thing is, is no one knows. So that shouldn't paralyze us. And I know it can be a cause for such worry and anxiety, but we're we're really all just trying to figure it out together. So first and foremost, I hope we have this sense of collective support. And I know there's a lot of divisiveness and the political landscape's a whole other conversation, not for this podcast, but if we can find support in our communities and among our friends and just feel that collective support, I think that we can like breathe a little bit easier. But the thing with dealing with change is that it's inevitable. And this is such a good lesson, I think, even for the younger generation and younger listeners to learn that we can create our whole lives of like these cushions of comfort or like these routines and systems and a corporate career even that makes us think that we're like safe and secure from change. But the minute that people are confronted with death or chaos or a global pandemic, that bubble sort of bursts. And I've seen We've all seen huge companies that were really strong before this just go down in an instant. And none of those people, I would have bet you, thought that their job was at any sort of risk. So you you come to realize that I think what we you know, think is so secure and think is so comfortable is not really. And that change is super inevitable. And the only guarantee is that there will be change. So in if if people can kind of lean into it and embrace that all change is, all change has some sort of loss component. So anytime you have a change, you're going to have loss. So I think people try to resist change or they say like, oh, I'm just like in the comfort zone. But like, you have to realize that if you want to grow, if you want to become a better person, then you're going to have to like lean into that loss potentially and be aware that you're going to have to deal with that and grieve that. And you can't just push through life and just expect only the good things to come without the bad, right? So like embracing change just really is about acknowledging what you're going to lose, but also what you gain. So if you stay in one side or the other, then you're going to miss out on the reality of what's going on, right? So like if you stay in the loss, then you're just going to be like full of anxiety and depressed 
And, and those are real mental issues. And I would encourage anyone to actually get help because I see a lot of that right now, um, if that's your situation. Uh, but if you can bring in the gratitude practices and bring in all the opportunities, the potential opportunities that are around the corner and see that there's light at the end of the tunnel, then it makes it like so much easier to just say, okay, I have been through hard things before. This is a hard season, but it will end and we'll be able to embrace whatever is around the corner. If we can just realize that change, it changes change and you can't avoid it. So you just have to lean into it. <laughs> I know that's, it sounds so simple and I know it's so hard, but really just being real with yourself about what you're losing, what you're gaining, I think can bring some clarity in the moment. Definitely. Just hearing you say that it brings it to attention. Like, oh, have I even done that? Have I even processed what's happening? Or because it has been so crazy. I feel like people have just been working and maybe not even processed like, oh, how different my life is now. <laughs> Totally. And the thing is, is, I mean, we have so many things that can kind of numb us out to the grief of it, but just acknowledging that like there's a grieving process and there's actually stages to grief before you can get to acceptance. There's anger and denial and bargaining. And there's, there's things that we have to actually go through. Like the only way out is through, right? As they say, um, but like it is a, a stage of grief. And I think a lot of people are, are scared to acknowledge it because they, it's like they think suffering is like comparative. So, so, oh, well, at least I still have a job, even if I hate my job, or even if I got a pay cut, at least I have a job. But it's like, no, you can grieve whatever your loss is, no matter what someone else is going through. Um, we don't have to like, compare because then we're not in touch with how we're really feeling about our situation. So it's okay to be um, sad about something you lost, even if it's not as bad as someone else's loss. Cause I think sometimes then we like, don't feel it. Cause we're like, Oh, well we don't, we should just be grateful, but really you should be honest with what your situation is so that you can process through it and give yes. yourself permission to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you said that. I think that is happening a lot for sure. And like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to keep dwelling on this, but like that just like super hit me. Cause I know I have been like that. It's like, Oh, well, at least I have a job and I have all these things, but like everyone has their own journey and we're all going through our own stuff. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I know it's hard in the, in the moment though, for sure. Mm -hmm. This is something that people, even outside of this COVID situation, they have a hard time picturing what does my career look like? What are my goals? And even thinking about that classic interview question of like, oh, where do you see yourself in five years? A lot of people don't know, like that career roadmap is hard to navigate. So do you have any exercises or tips that you do with clients or anything to help navigate how you can kind of clarify what your career roadmap is? Yeah, it's a good question. I always think, well, first of all, that interview question, I feel like is outdated because the world changed so fast. Like think where you were five years ago, like the world's so different. We didn't even have social media like 10 years ago or you know what I mean? Like, Seriously. so that's a crazy question, but I know it's probably still used. You know, I, I do like to fast forward and do some visualizations because I, I, I think you should always have in mind the direction that you want to go at least like maybe you don't know your exact job or title or whatnot, but like if you can really sit down and visualize who you want to be, like the person that you want to be in five years, let's say, and where do you want to live and who, like what are your relationships look like and what are you eating for breakfast and really kind of get down to the nitty gritty of like, what is this feeling around my life that I want? And, you know, what do I want my job to, to look like? What would I want my career to look like if I could just have it any, any way that I want and get past this, you, you have to suspend belief because so often, again, before we can even get to like that visualization, we're like, oh, but I could never make money doing what I really want to do. So really look at what what that vision is. So you have to kind of have a, a direction that you want to go before you can backtrack to do a roadmap. But really suspending belief and saying like, wouldn't it be cool if this is what my life looked like? Or if, 
if I knew that I could not fail at what I am going to set out to do, what would I do? And if I didn't have to make money and if I could just do what I wanted to do, what would that be? So kind of getting past those like limiting things that we bring into it. So once you kind of have that visualization, then you can like really break it down to say, okay, am I in the right direction first and foremost? Like in a year, if I'm doing exactly what I'm doing with all of my habits and everything, all of my friendships and habits and media I'm consuming, am I going to get like, am I on that trajectory? Because I always like to say, if we're, if we're one degree off from the direction that we want to go, like if you're in your car and you're driving across the country and you're one degree off, you're going to end up somewhere you really don't want to be. And the same is true, I think, with our career roadmap. So if we can always be checking in on that big vision. So if you want to do a vision board or whatever it is, but really make sure that your habits are getting you there. So then when you break it down, you can create like from your five-year vision, you can create like one, three-year goals and one-year goals. But what it ultimately comes down to is your daily habits because your habits are going to determine everything that you do. So really getting good habits in your life that are going to get you to where you want to go. And the important thing is, is sometimes you have to say no to good things in your life to make room for that direction that you want to go. And you have to say, like everything that you say yes to, you say no to something else. So a lot of people that I see, a lot of my clients, um, you know, time is like a classic excuse, but I love these memes that are going around now that's like, oh, I always thought I learned French, but I didn't have the time. And now I have all the time in the world. And it turns out I just really don't want to learn French. Because once those excuses are stripped away, you realize what you really do and don't want to do. Like I always say, if you really want to do something, you'll find a way to do it. If you don't, you'll find an excuse not to do it. And I think that's just so true. And we, you know, we have, we have choices, how we structure our time and what we really want to focus on. So if you get your vision and you see, okay, I really like want to do this, like you have the ability to structure your daily habits to get you there. And you don't have to do it's not as complicated as people make it. Think how much you can change your life in five years. Like I had started this answer to this question of like, oh yeah, five years ago, you were probably in a completely different place, right? Like you can literally transform your life in five years. So as long as you are doing small things each and every day, then you're going to be on the right path. But that is so true. I love that you even mentioned like the little thing about like, oh, even the media you're consuming, like so many little things are making an impact, like, and you may not even realize it. And yes. And that honestly hits me hard. I'm like, wow, like, what am I spending time on that? Really? It's like, is that even helping me? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what they say is you'll, you'll be the same person a year from now, except for the people that you're surrounding yourself with the media that you're consuming and how you're spending your time basically on those things. So I mean, it's really important. I mean, that kind of thing, like the people that you're with and the media that you're consuming, I mean, that that has the the impact to change your future. So be careful, right? Like a warning and also an opportunity, you know? Totally. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's also like the messages that we're telling ourselves too. And I think for women especially, if we have tapes that play over and over in our head that say, who am I to be doing this? Or I'm not good enough in this area. Or if only I were, I don't know, more educated enough or, you know, whatever, like we all have our own personal brand of what we're not good enough in. But, you know, if we're constantly playing those tapes, then we're going to be really held back to even if we have, you know, to what, where we want to go, even if we have the most perfectly planned roadmap, right? So really getting underneath like what we tell ourselves is possible and what we tell ourselves, like how we hold ourselves back is such a key piece of the puzzle to like getting wherever you want to go in life. 
Totally. Communication at work. Basically, I think we struggle with like, oh, how do we be assertive without being mean? How do we be understanding without being taken advantage of? Like there's a weird like communication line in the workplace. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on like the biggest what to do when it comes to communicating with maybe your coworkers or people that you manage and your biggest what not to do. Yeah. So I think, I think the first thing is we say, I'm sorry, way too much when it doesn't even look, if you offend someone, you can say you're sorry, but in the workplace, I see it a lot where it just, I feel like every time we get uncomfortable or if there's like an awkward moment, we tend to say, I'm sorry. And we just don't need to do that. I think if you cut that out of your vocabulary, you will 100% seem more confident and assertive um, to really say, you know, something different, right? Like, like even if um, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head, but it's like if you make a mistake in your work, instead of saying I'm sorry, you could you could say something like thank you for pointing that out, or even if you're a little bit late to something you could say, you know, thank you for waiting and really making it about the other person versus yourself. Like thank the other person for whatever they're pointing out to you or whatever their thing is, then, then I think that automatically makes you appear more confident that you're, that you're putting them first basically. So in a really genuine way, not to shirk responsibility with the I'm sorry thing. Um, but you know, I, I think, I think it's really, I think active listening is the key. And there's this book uh, by Chris Voss called Never Split the Difference. And he was a host, an FBI hostage negotiator. And he has some really good principles. I recommend this book because he basically talks about how to do this active listening. And it's really quite genius. But one of his techniques is this thing called mirroring. And it's really is just picking up someone's words that they say and saying them right back to them. And I think this is a way for other people to feel heard, whether in the workplace or even in your own relationships or friendships, try this little technique where you literally pick out someone's exact words and you ask them to go a little bit deeper. So like if you were to say, you know, something really innocuous, like it's really hot in Phoenix today, I would say, oh, it's really hot in Phoenix. Like almost like inviting you to tell me more and it makes you feel heard and you're going to walk away from the conversation thinking, oh, she's like the best listener in the entire world. And I think if we can do this in the workplace to really uh, understand what someone's saying, like it, it invites more engagement. And so often I think we have to prove our point or stay quiet. But if we can really open up the lines of communication and just say like, basically tell me more through your mirroring, you're going to, you're, you're inviting more conversation so you can learn where someone's coming from. And I promise you, as soon as someone feels heard in whatever their whatever the situation is, as soon as someone feels heard, they're going to then listen to you. It always works that other way around. You know, like if you can make someone feel heard, then you can clearly and calmly state your position and you be, because they feel respected. So you can say, okay, I understand how you feel that way. Let me tell you where I'm coming from. And more often than not, they're going to be more open to hearing that. So you can really come across not as defensive, not as judgmental because you're listening. And if you're listening, then you're going to you're going to be heard as well so true and i feel like that is especially important now when everything is virtual most of the time so emails like really i've noticed oh. like if it's too short maybe like the message doesn't get across you really i think that's a great idea like kind of mirroring like oh your idea about this is great let's do this or whatever but i think that is key because especially right now like it's hard to get heard because you're not physically seeing people a lot of the time <laughs> it's so true and email and text and all these virtual ways are great but you really make up a lot of you fill in the gaps. You make up a lot of missing information. You don't know the intonation. You don't know the intention. And you really read things a certain way. Like it is just how it is. And so I, I would recommend 
you know, trying to get on the phone as much as possible because email is hard. Email is tricky. And I always had a rule of thumb. If there was like a long, like if I was writing an email with more than a couple paragraphs, I would just pick up the phone because it's just so much easier to understand where someone's coming from, to listen for that person to feel heard. You can't feel heard over email. So it's like, if there is a long conversation and not even long, but just like, if there's a conversation, like just have the conversation. I mean, we're all home anyway. I don't see why we can't at least hop on the phone, if not video, but just like, or send a voice, send voice messages back and forth. At least then people can like hear how something's being said versus not. Yes, that is so true. Cause I feel like I'm sure other people have experienced this too, where you get an email and you're like, oh no, are they mad at me? But then you see them they're like, oh, did you see the email? Cool. Like all happy. And it's like, oh, read that wrong. So totally. We do this all the time. We send an email and we think, oh, they haven't gotten back to me or they were very short. They must like be mad or they must not like my work. And it's like, no, people are just busy. I mean, I always say, and this, this is a helpful thing, but when in doubt, always make the most generous assumption possible. So when you start to think, oh, do they not, whatever, like you're thinking something like, why didn't they respond? Why didn't they write that? Like, it, da, 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 da. you can just, okay, what, what is the most generous assumption? The most generous assumption is maybe they're busy and not thinking about me at all because they have a life and they have a job and they have their own boss, whatever the situation is. And so I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry about it until until I have a reason to be, meaning until someone comes and tells me, A, I'm not doing a good job or they don't like the work that I did on this project, then I'm just going to assume that it's good. It's all good. So really making that generous assumption can save you anxiety <laughs> from like trying to analyze everything, right? I love that. That's great advice. I Yes, we all need to just go the positive route. <laughs> Yeah. Um, And then on the topic of like, we're working at home, things are more digital than ever before, productivity and burnout. I feel like that is something that can easily happen right now because kind of the workday really never ends because you're at home still, like there's no cutoff uh, for a lot of us. So any insight into how to find this balance of work and life and really resolving what that burnout is and what causes it? That is a real thing because we don't have boundaries. And most of us aren't good at having professional boundaries because we those were made for us, right? We woke up, we got in our car, we drove to work, and we had the working day, we had the lunch hour, all of this, right? So we have to create that for ourselves. So I know that a lot of people, it's it's new and you don't even know how to do that. And for some people, they've they're working at home with their boyfriends or partners or whatever. And so they've really got to like have those clear lines of when I'm working and when I'm not, because it can bleed so much into your life. So I would recommend having literally having working hours and shutting down your work by a certain time and really making a commitment. I know it's hard. It's hard in general, even when we were going to the office, because we had our phones and you can get email everywhere, right? So it's hard to say, I'm not going to answer email from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. or whatever it is, but really having that time that you can disconnect, put your phone away, put work away, and do something that doesn't involve a screen because, you know, I, I found myself going from my phone to my computer to my television, and then I'm like, okay, I bought my blue light blocking glasses, but this isn't good enough. Like, I'm going to burn holes in my eyeballs. So really, you know, making sure you're taking breaks. I recommend every 60 to 90 minutes to stand up, do a little dance break, walk around the block, get some fresh air. I mean, the nice thing about working from home is you do have access to the outside and maybe a little bit of flexibility to take those breaks more so than maybe in an office. So take your breaks, finish work at a certain time, schedule a lunch break so that you're actually eating and you're not working at your desk and eating. Having a separate work area from where you sleep and eat is always a good thing. I mean, I moved my office out into the living room. My gracious husband was like, oh, okay. But, um, you know, I was using a, a, a bedroom and 
I just needed some creative energy. So whatever makes you creative, switching up the energy is good. So like now that we've been working from home for what, like five months or more, um, maybe, maybe switch it up, maybe change the position of your computer, like anything to kind of just get that fresh energy moving. And then really communicating to whoever you live with that these are like the standards. And I've had to say like, okay, my kitchen is closed because I found myself eating a lot, as I'm sure a lot of people are, feel that same way. But it's like, okay, the kitchen is closed from one to five, that it's done. You know, like there's a closed sign on the door, basically, not really, but you know, like really having those, again, boundaries with what's going to work for you to be that healthiest version of yourself. Because I hate to say it, I mean, at least in Los Angeles, we're going to be here for a while and working from home isn't going to go away. And there are a lot of perks if you can figure out how to turn, turn it off so that you don't burn out and really take vacation. I know that's the, the other tricky thing is it's like, well, I feel like we're taking a vacation day because I'm home, you know, but just really like that disconnection is what you're after. It's that disconnection from work, from email, from even knowing what's going on with your work. If you can even have like a few hours each day where you, where you don't have to be there 24 seven, that's, that's the goal. Cause that's, what's going to help you not burn out. Yes. So true. Those, that is all like, I'm like, wow, like ding, ding, ding. I need to be listening to this. So I'm glad, I'm glad we're here and we're recording this because I made the mistake the first two weeks of working remote. I made the mistake of like, oh, I'm just going to like stay comfy all day and I'll lay in my bed and work. That did not last long. I was like not productive, not happy. So we ended up turning a guest room into like a little office space. So way better yeah. now. But yes. so got to figure out what works for you for totally. sure. Totally. Try things. Yeah. Don't be, don't be afraid of saying like, this isn't working. Even if it's worked for months, like maybe you're like, this isn't working anymore. Like really communicate that to yourself and be okay with it and give yourself permission to try something new. Exactly. I love it. Before we head into our Working Girl Talk top 10, last question for you. So you are a podcaster as well. So what is a good episode that you'd recommend for somebody to start if they are new to your podcast? Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, it's not, you don't have to do them in any sort of order. So that's the good thing. You can jump in. Um, I mean, I always think my latest episode is my best episode. I feel like I get better with everyone, but that's just maybe a weird thing. I don't know. Um, I have so many amazing guests on there and I have a bunch of solo episodes too. Last week, I just did an episode on money mindset, which I think is important for every woman to go here and really challenge their own beliefs about their earning potential. So of course I love that one. I mean, I have so many, it's, it's like your, you probably feel the same way. It's like your children, like <laughs> I can't pick one, but really just looking at the title. I mean, I have such a wide variety of like from learning how to connect with people and network to stepping into your purpose to the money mindset. I mean, it's such a wide variety. So whatever, I think that whatever titles jump out at you, go for it. <laughs> yes. Awesome. So everyone needs to go subscribe to power your purpose and find you. Yes. And yes. Awesome. So are you ready for the working girl talk top 10? Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So here we go. First one, my first job ever. Mm, a smoothie bar. Ooh, fun. Essential part of my morning routine. Coffee for sure. An almond milk latte. I'm obsessed with blank right now. So this could be a song, a food, a show, whatever. Oh Something my gosh, what am I obsessed with? Okay, I'm obsessed with post-it notes. Post-it notes have changed my life. I know that's random, but right next to me is this huge piece of paper with all these post-it notes. So it was staring at me, begging to be talked about. But it's just a way, I used to work in spreadsheets and post-it notes are just a colorful way to really bring to light all of my projects. And it's way more fun than working in a spreadsheet. Love it. Love some post-it notes. And they have the best colors now too. They're Oh all my gosh. I know. <laughs> Favorite skincare, beauty, or self-care product? 
Okay. My husband works for the distributor for Cindy Crawford's line. So I have to say I'm kind of loving it. It's probably not like totally, um, what do they call it? Like ingredients are probably not the best for you. I don't know, but I do love it. Love. And I have to ask you this. So next one, because my audience knows that I do a little pre-interview questionnaire with you. So I have to ask your worst dating story. (laughs) Yes. So I have two that I'll share very quickly. And that is, and these were right before I met my husband, by the way. So if you have any bad dating stories, just know the, the prince might be right around the corner. But I went on this date with this guy who asked me this nice restaurant and we get there and he says, oh, I accidentally ate before. And so I was thinking, well, I can't eat in front of him. That's weird. Okay. So first of all, this is really weird. But also I was thinking, I didn't know why he did that. But it turns out he could only pay for one meal. He couldn't pay for this fancy restaurant. And I was thinking, why not just get like sandwiches and go to the beach and do a picnic? But literally the reason I know this is because it happened three times. I went on three dates with him. He accidentally ate every single time. And I'm like, come on, dude, like get it together. I'm not going to eat in front of you by myself. Like this is really lame. So that was really lame. And then the second dating story right after that is this guy, I don't know, we went out to dinner. We had been dating for a little while. We went out to dinner. The bill comes. It was like sushi. We went out for sushi. The bill comes and he literally pulls a $20 bill out of his wallet, I kid you not, and tosses it across the table to me and says, that should cover my portion. And I look at the bill. I look at him. I look at the money and I'm like, what the heck? So that was our last date. And that was the the guy I dated right before my husband. So thank God. And I'll tell you, my husband on our first date, he bought me a coffee. We went for a hike and I was like, oh, do you want money for the coffee? And he's like, coffee? Like, no, I'm going to buy your coffee. I'm like, oh, I'm just not, I'm just used to getting like $20 bills thrown at me. So I don't know. I'm just not in the right mindset here. So funny. Oh man. Well, yeah, it takes a few frogs before your prince. So... (laughs) So funny. So I had to ask. Um, Number six, I have blank at my desk at all times. Mm. Uh, Filing stick for my nails. Oh, nice. (laughs) Number seven, best advice I've ever received. I think it would be to take messy action, to really just get out of your comfort zone to not be stuck in perfectionism and just take action because it's not really about myself. It's about the people who I can impact. Favorite book, resource, or podcast that has had an impact on you that you'd want to share? Mm. Okay. I'm a big fan of Brene Brown and she is a researcher. She's just like down, like a down to earth girl. I feel like we would have like beers in Texas together, but, and me and the whole world probably would want to do that. But I will say when I was working in corporate, in the corporate world, and I was ready for a change, but I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. I read her book, Rising Strong was the one I read. And I just remember being like, okay, I'm operating at like 60% of my life right now, even though I was doing amazing things and accomplished, but I want to like be in the game. And she talks about like being in the arena and being in the fight and like getting that skin in the game and not sitting on the sidelines anymore. And just something clicked in my brain where it was this like cataclysmic shift for me. of like, all right, I want to get in the game. Now what, now what do I need to do? So she really, her, her books, the Netflix special that she has, I've watched like four times her podcast now. So that answers all of your questions with just her. (laughs) Awesome. Love it. Definitely need to check those out. And Number nine, proudest moment in your career so far? I think really launching my own business because I was never the entrepreneurial type. I just wasn't. My husband is, and so I get it. But like, I just, I'm like, give me the job and I'll work the job. And I think 
shifting my mindset to realizing anything's possible. I can create a business that I love and make it successful in my, on my own terms. Like that is like crazy thinking to me, but like something I actually did and actually went forward on. And I mean, just the growth over the last year, I would say that's my proudest moment, even though I've had a lot of highs in my whole career, but just being able to step into that thing that you know is like the thing has been really, really cool. Amazing. And last one, number 10, I am inspired by blank. I'm inspired by anyone who really looks at life from a really positive, can do, let's figure it out together attitude. And that is how my husband is. And just like, let's just figure this out. Like, that's really inspiring. Who wouldn't want to be inspired by that, right? Like, let's just figure out solutions. Like everything is figure outable as Marie Forleo's book is. But yeah, like I'm inspired by that. Love it. And you survived the end. You made it. Um, where can everyone follow you, keep up with you, the podcast, your handles, all that good stuff? Yeah, at Megan Accardo on Instagram, meganacardo.com. And then the podcast is Power Your Purpose. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. So um, definitely subscribe. I would love to hear from your listeners. And so introduce yourself. Awesome. Thank you so much, Megan. This was amazing. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Megan. So amazing. Before you go, my Friday favorite. I always have a little Friday favorite where it's something I watched, I read, I listened to, I saw that week that just resonated that I want to share. So this Friday favorite is the Dancing with the Stars lineup. So I've been, I've been kind of in and out of Dancing with the Stars over the years. Like if it's somebody I like, I'll watch and I kind of fall off. But they announced the cast and I'm very excited about this. First and foremost, we have Monica, the the coach for Navarro Cheer from the Netflix documentary Cheer. She's amazing. She is one of my dream guests for this podcast, so I will be trying to make that happen. But I'm so excited to see her, and I really hope this means we get a Jerry cameo on Dancing with the Stars. So super excited. If you don't know who I'm talking about, just Google Monica Navarro Cheer. And we also got Chriselle Stoss from Selling Sunset. I like all my people are here this year, so super exciting. And we also have Carol Baskin, so that should be pretty interesting. And we have Nelly and Sky Jackson. It is going to be a good time. And now, and and we have iconic Tyra Banks as our host now. So very excited about this season. I hopefully they still can have some sort of like live element. I don't know how they're going to do it with COVID and stuff. Hopefully they can figure that out. This is more of my pop culture side coming out on a Friday favorite this week, but. Sometimes we just got to live a little. Super excited for that. Cannot wait. Thank you so much for listening to Working Girl Talk. So happy to have you here. Keep listening. We have so many more amazing interviews coming up and so much more insight to share. And as always, please leave a five-star review if you haven't already. Subscribe to the podcast. If you liked this episode, copy the link, share it with a friend who needs it, and screenshot the episode while you're listening and tag me at Abby Zufel, tag the show at Working Girl Talk and tag Megan as well. So grateful for every single listen. So grateful for each and every one of you. Have a great rest of your day and I will talk to you next week.